that you are well and taking deep, deep care of yourself as we move into a new season. Lots of the work that I do is to do with seasons and I've found that over time, everything that we try and shift and change, this is not what I was going to talk about today, (laughs) um, as we try and shift and change, it seems to take a whole season. Not necessarily aligned with our normal seasons, but when I work with a mama and a babe, or if I work with a mama with lots of kids, or I really find that like it takes a good. I don't want to say that anything takes time because sleeping can literally be changed overnight. The way kids eat and behave can literally be changed overnight but the integration of the change and the stability of the change uh, obviously this is the direction I'm going today (laughs) is the direction and and the grounding and the stableness of that change is seasonal and a really excellent example of this, um, I got like reamed by a few people, <laughs> still like blowing my brain. Um, my toddler, uh, I always drop my kids naps around the age of two, roughly, give or take, you know, a few months. I think my second girl was actually like 22 months, she was young. But life was busy and her brother was awake and we just went with it and she could go to bed really early. So it worked really well. So back to our seasonal work. And my toddler dropped his nap around two. He was two in January. So I think it might have been a couple of weeks after. He was taking ages and getting really shouty about going to bed at night. And I just, I'm not into that vibe. Like I want everyone to go to bed peacefully, easily. I Like, I am not down with screaming. I am not down with friction. If you know me well, I am not someone who leaves my kids crying or anything like that. I am very soft. Very soft. But I am very in tune and very accustomed to adjusting things to meet my kids' needs. That's how I do all of my parenting advice. It is all on a needs basis with like love surrounded in all of that and we make choices always based on kids needs I think it's a huge gap in our current society we are obsessed with like you know deciding that a baby needs to sleep or a baby needs to eat in a specific way and we do all of these things to control and adapt that but I feel that we've really missed many of the parts of what they actually need to have those things Um, And when you look at like a lot of the work that I do is based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the very fundamental needs at the bottom, you know, the need for rest, the need for safety and security, which is like a warm, safe and comfortable bed, Um, many, many layers. And if you work with me, you know how I roll with those things. Anyway, if you do want to work with me, then I do have spots available for my one-on-ones. I work on the needs of both mother and child and I can work with you on multiple kids at the same time. 
Um, if you wanted to focus mostly on yourself, then sometimes the, we got started this month on the Mama Club, where we have been mo- learning how to mother ourselves. So you're welcome to sign up for June. Uh, I haven't put that up yet, but if you keep a listen out, then that should be available soon as well. We have been making great progress in shifting from a self-help fixing type process in the mama club to moving into what do I need to mother myself in so that I feel good because you could consume all of this external stuff and still not find the answers for yourself and that's why you keep consuming it because you haven't found the answers so we're diving deeply into finding the answers for ourselves Uh, one of the homeworks they're going to have this week is about speaking devotedly to yourself and sending little voice memos to yourself about your devotions and writing to yourself about your devotions so that you feel like you're in a relationship with yourself and when you become obsessed obsessed with taking care of yourself when you are fully devoted when you're fully mothered then you get to just like dive deeply into you it's not it's like a no-brainer when you open your eyes you're like I'm I'm gonna go for a walk or I'm gonna go do some exercise or if you've got a little one awake with you you're like I'm gonna pop that headphone in while they have their bottle and I'm gonna listen to a meditation and then hubby's gonna watch them and I'm gonna go for a walk or you are just devoted to yourself and we're just gonna keep working on that like radical devotion So they're the two things I've got available at the moment. I will have some of my courses available soon. Maybe I will do a deal for next month where you can have access to one of my courses and the Mama Club, maybe. Let's see how we go with what I've got available. Anyway, I would love for you to come chat with me on the gram or if you have been listening to this I would really love it if you could share a screenshot just take a screenshot post it on your stories and then other people can also find this information and work out how to deeply mother themselves and their babies to the best capacity that they can because I think that we have externalized mothering and we look so far and so wide for advice and support and knowing and I teach mums to find it inside. I teach mums how to find it inside themselves. It's already there. The beauty of finding the answers to what's going on are already there. And if they're unable to see them, I give them small, clear shifts on how to find them. And also, I give you tips on how to manage things in your family in really simple ways, really, really basic things. I am a basic bitch, man. I am, I take you right back to basics. You know, if you've got kids who are struggling to sit down for mealtimes, basic shit is what we're missing in all of these things like do they need a walk before uh quite often many families that i'm working with it is the plates on the spoons they're using that are causing challenges it's really basic basic things that we shift and change and move through the type of high chair that a toddler sits in literally 
dictates how often how long they'll sit there for and then that cascade of like if you've had a toddler who isn't safe and comfortable in their high chair i'm talking about the ikea high chair that should be burned at the stake (laughs) um if your kid is sitting in an ikea high chair then get rid of it (laughs) fucking hate them anyway they've got no foot support they've got so your kid like I usually go and tell the parents, go and find a barstool at a pub and dangle your feet off there and see how long you can sit and eat for without anything under your feet. Go and dangle your feet. Go and hang off a bar, something. See how long you can sit there for. It is almost a terrifying feeling for an adult. So for a toddler who was used to feet on the ground, full stability and that their core strength is having to hold themselves up in that high chair ah get rid of it it's like ikea high chair no like let's not keep going for this cheap cheap shit and thinking it's right now i have some seen some people that get foot supports for the ikea high chair and all kinds of like there's like a lot of fancy shit out there i don't know i haven't looked at that close enough I'm not sure if I'm going to unpack that on podcast. (laughs) But so if you work with me, we go through the simplest of shifts that make like dramatic change. If you've got older kids who are battling through things, I am a whiz at finding the smallest things that help the shift. And sometimes those really small things are actually what the mother does. You know, like my one, my older boy at the moment is having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. And I'm like, okay. We're going for a bike ride in the morning. It's me. It's not him. It's like motivational me. I'm the one who makes the shifts. And so when I'm taking care of myself and I'm deeply devoted to myself, man, I get the answers. They come fast. They come rapidly. And they're not a big drama. I don't even have to ask anyone else. I don't have to search anywhere else. And that's what I want to empower you to become as a mother Someone who doesn't need external support, not to say that you can't have external support, but who doesn't need it because she's taking such fucking amazing care of herself, she don't need nobody else. Yeah, she's taking such good fucking care of herself, she don't need nobody else. Anyway, looks like I'm talking about seasons today, so stay tuned. Seasons. They exist in the environment, but they also exist in your home. Everything you do and everything you function around is seasonal. It wasn't until I had my fourth baby that I could really see the seasonal process in terms of the link to motherhood and childhood being seasonal. And when you've been through pregnancy, this might seem obvious. You have your first, second, third, and the current dynamic of talking about the fourth trimester. And all of those trimesters are in 12-week cycles. When you read historical text in the description of pregnancy, it is always um, the mother moving through three seasons. And time was defined only by the season so women didn't have due dates it was that they moved through three seasons before they had a baby 
I think that could definitely still apply now. That logic still makes sense. And so we are focused on the mother moving through those seasons and then we kind of lose sight of the baby also moving through seasons. And what I started to realise really deeply with my fourth baby is that everything might start at the beginning of a season for that baby. You might start giving them food, let's say at four months or five months or six months or whatever feels right to you. You give your baby food, but really you've given them food, but really for them to eat, it happens within a season. It happens, you might not find that your baby actually eats any food for eight weeks. And same as if your kids start a new sport. Usually I'll say to people, like, give it a term. And it's like in the last week or two of term. So, you know, week eight, week nine, usually at the eight-week point, I see a significant shift or change for someone who's trying to integrate a new type of season into their life. So the same applies to us, but we have totally lost sight as adults of how that seasonal work works for us. It doesn't mean you have to wait till like the first day of winter to start this or the first day of spring to start this. That is not what I'm talking about at all. It's like, can you see yourself on a timeline of trajectory? So if you wanted to fully make a new shift and let in new light for yourself, whether that be like new habits that you put in place or new beliefs that you're trying to allow in or even starting up your own business or putting your kids in daycare or then starting a new school or whatever, I will say to you, give it a season. Give it a season and see what happens. Follow through for the entire season. You know, if you want your kid to learn how to play football and they are desperately desiring to be a footballer, you can't take them for two weeks and say, well, this feels a bit shitty, so no. By eight weeks, so towards the end of the last cycle of the season, the last moon of the season, then you get to see the change. And then you get to know whether it feels right. And then you get to know where you're going with this. And it gets really clear. So you you move two moons or two seasons, two seasons, not two seasons, two months through. And then you start to see a shift. So an example I was going to give today is I my toddler started, dropped his day sleep at about two. And I encourage that around that age for all of my kids because I can just see the resistance coming and I am unwilling to like leave them yelling at me for half an hour or anything to go to bed. That's just not my vibe. That's not what I do. Um, So if they're starting to resist going to bed, then generally I will drop the nap if I've cut it down to an hour or so already. And then once they have dropped the nap, it's like this toing and froing of life where you're like, did I make the right choice? Didn't I make the right choice? I don't do this anymore, but I've had enough kids to not have to have fractured energy around uh, like to or fro. But my, so I hold the energy now. I hold tight to the belief system and I don't let go of that. 
but I can see how with your first couple of kids, you would spend the whole time debating, like, did I make the right choice? And so <clears throat> we move through that season and we go those first eight weeks. And so once the toddler's dropped his day nap, it looks messy. It looks messy for ages. It's like if you were trying to learn how to run and you have to, pers- again, I would say it's not till like eight weeks that you feel like you're running with the goddamn fucking wind, right? It doesn't happen straight away. It takes a lot of time, a lot of time and a lot of devotion and a lot of love. I still find that we're probably like three or four months in. I still find on the days if I've left him for longer with his dad, because that's probably the only person that really cares for him, he'll still seem more tired than normal because his just body and energy state is a little bit more stressed than when he's with me. Um, I am the primary carer. I'm the one who makes all the decisions and choices around like what we do and how that operates because that's what works best for our family. Anyway, so his devotion <laughs> to dropping the nap wavers and you can see he's unsure of what to do next sometimes. So sometimes he woke up a little bit early. I don't have early risers. Uh, I do help people work through the early rising thing. It can be a bit conditional depending how old your kid is. But basically, I none of my kids really wake up early ever. If anything, I have a lot of trouble getting them out of bed. Um, but that's through lots of years of my devotion to 100% committal of beautiful sleeping, beautiful sleeping conditions, really loving sleeping conditions. Um, yeah, really supporting them through that. So occasionally he'd wake up at 6.30 and my husband and I would be like, this is so weird because we haven't typically had kids wake up at that time for such a long time. Uh, 6.30 was probably the earliest he would wake up and he would be just calling out, sorry, the rain is pouring and you're probably going to be able to hear that because I'm recording in my car. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't destroy the audio too much. And so we would just get him up and roll with the day and keep going and then sometimes if he'd woken up really early or sometimes if he'd slept in till like eight he would go to bed at six and he would just like take himself off basically he would just go stand at his cot and be like day in day in and it was really back and forth back and forth back and forth for ages and I just trust the process. I just leave it be. I just love and support him with the choices we're making because I know they're right. I just love him, hold him, carry him, support him through every inch of that change of that season. And after about eight weeks, he started to sleep (laughs) He was still going to bed at like 6 or 6.30 and then he started to sleep until 9 or 10 a.m. <laughs> and so he was like sleeping 16 hours. And I put it on my stories a few times and people were like, oh my God, that's crazy. And I'm like, no, it's not. I just leave it be. Like I don't fuck with it and it's stable now. I just don't fuck with it. 
I support, I support, I love, I hold tight to what I know works, I hold tight to know what I know is right, I don't fuck with it. So many people go in and they fiddle and they fuck around and they change the sleep times and they change what they feed them and they do all of this fuckery thinking they're doing some kind of magic, but it's not, right? You're just making it worse. So until you're willing to stop fucking with their sleep, (laughs) literally, and understand that the magic just exists in the time that you allow it to shift and change, then it just happens. And so we're definitely over 12 weeks into that now and it's just fully integrated. He's definitely going to bed at about more 7, 7.30. He is nowhere near as tired and he energetically is really easy to manage and support. I have been waking him up sometimes at 8.30 or 9 because I just want to get going with my day. I'm finding it kind of frustrating to have to wait till so he wakes up at 10 and then he needs to have something to eat and all that kind of jazz. So I'm finding that a bit draining, but he's not super happy if I wake him up. So if my kids could be literally running outside his door and screaming and he doesn't wake up. So he really just wakes up on his own terms when he's ready to. Sometimes I do have to wake him up to get going with life because it's a challenge trying to fit in the things that my big kids need to do and the things that the what he needs. And I do think that sleeping till nine is a vibe, right? Like <laughs> uh I think I do think that's plenty. And you know, the interesting thing is when I put it up the other day that uh I believe from the work that I've done with I've worked with like hundreds, like hundreds, probably I reckon I'd be getting into the close to a thousand women with babies and sleep and don't forget that I've worked in early childhood services for like a decade before teaching about them for another decade um babies are born capable of sleeping kids are very capable of sleeping There is a very small minority of children who might have health problems that could inhibit sleeping, but they would be in the lesser than 5%. I have a former colleague who works purely just with people who have babies with sleep problems relating to health, and she has a whole business relating to that. But for me, 95% of kids are born very capable of sleeping fine. I do not prescribe to the sleep school leaving them to scream the crying walking in and out and all of those kinds of things don't follow that vibe at all very very needs focused and non-product focused so not the utilization I, I sort of do find that with sleeping and I've gone from talking about seasons to talking about sleeping but the more products you use the more things we tie around their foot or put on their cots I'm pretty anti any of the breathing things I'm pretty anti the video things and when people are really triggered by what I say I'll normally say okay well I'm going to go get you to set that camera up on you tonight And I want to see how you sleep when I'm filming you. Most people don't last very long. 
it's not normal to be watched while you sleep. It's not normal to be monitored while you sleep. Babies just dying in their sleep is not normal either, right? But our society has conditioned us to believe that our babies are inherently broken and that they need all of these things to be able to sleep safely. But a mum who takes really good care of herself and gets a good amount of sleep and a baby who gets a good amount of sleep are healthy and well. And I am talking about healthy and well people here. What you find, especially babies that have been born in hospitals, is often when a baby is born, not long after, not all babies, but really commonly, that baby will try, if they are warm and secure and haven't suffered extreme trauma, but that's, you know, there's a lot that have suffered trauma in that space, that baby will then try and sleep for like five to eight hours straight, like conk the fuck out. And Mothers will be vilified, told their baby's going to die, their milk's not going to come in, they're broken, blah, 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 blah. Babies are born wanting to sleep. Sleep is natural. The thought that we have to actually teach them and condition them to sleep is so inherently wrong. You know, I see so many Instagram pages. I actually have to like really consciously block myself from this process of like it is normal for a baby to wake every two hours no no I I just I I do not believe that I believe that we're having attachment issues ourselves as females and we talk about it constantly in front of our babies that they wake up heaps and that they are this and that they are that and that baby listens to that and it becomes that when really when we prov- provide super warm, super safe, super nurturing, super loving environments for ourselves and our babies and we don't stick things in their mouths and we don't tie things to them and we don't do lots of stuff to them. They sleep fine. They sleep easily. And then as your kids get older and the sleeping possibly gets worse or whatever, how much of that is what you talk about? How much of that is what you are focused on? And how much of that is societal conditioning? Is any of this actually fully connected to your baby or is it to do with the narrative that you're prescribing? Anyway, I got off on a sleep tangent. (laughs) And... You've really got to look at what narrative you are embracing as a mother because many mums come to me and like, everyone says the baby wakes up every two hours. Do you mean everyone on Instagram? (laughs) Because if you went and asked a mother 60 years ago if her baby would wake up every two hours, she would have laughed in your face. You know, it's just a constant narrative that's going around and it's quite possibly coming from some quite wounded women who think that their issues are related to their attachment to their mother and then they're projecting that onto their baby. All of them? No, but a lot of them. You know, I see a lot of sleep specialists who are like, my baby was broken. This is how I fixed it. And I'd be really wary of following someone's sleep specialties because they had a broken baby to start with and this is how they fixed it because we're already talking about not coming from a place of love. We're coming from a place of fixing and we can't fix our kids. (laughs) It's like 
you know, I'm a lover of Queen Dyer and Louise Hayes. I love everything they do. Children are our spiritual teachers. We have in our consumerist society become obsessed with teaching our babies. But what if our babies are here to teach us? And they are not here to teach us that they wake every two hours. If your baby is waking lots and lots, then they have some unmet needs. And that need isn't just to feed them all the time. There are many other ways to look at baby's needs. So, back to the seasons. <laughs> if you are wanting to devote yourself to a new season of life and a new way of living and a new integration, you have to be willing to give it a season. You have to be willing to deeply integrate yourself for 12 weeks. Like my boy, if you wanted to shift your eating, your sleeping, your taking care of yourself, if you want to shift those things, it's going to take you that long. That's it. You have to know that you have to hold out to eight weeks. You'll feel a reprieve then. You'll feel a full shift and a full knowing. And then after that, it gets to be easy. Sending you love today. And this is possibly a slightly longer podcast, but I covered two massive topics of working in seasons. And I went off on my tangent about sleeping. Sending you love. Bye.